This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Right about now, we're going to jump in straight into our conversation with um, Human Rights Activist Research and Communications Officer for the Human Rights Institute of South Africa, Mawe Tungosana. Mawe Tungosana is also the founder of the Black Love Association, with this, which is a social dialogue and events platform aimed at popularizing intersection, intersectional politics and implementing the safe space ideal through photography, poetry, music screenings and dialogues. Mawetu, good morning. Good morning, Mawetu. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. You are speaking to Khomodzo. Hi, Khomodzo. Yeah, so I just want to know, what does this mean for Angola and what does this mean for Africa as a whole? I mean, this is really great news. Um, so, I mean, for Angola, it means that there is a, um, a legal, there's a legal instrument um, that protects um, LGBTI people. Um, I mean, particularly this new penal code um, legalizes um, same-sex same, 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 same sex that is consensual among adults. Um, and I mean, of course, um, this instrument in particular was adopted in 2019. Yes. Um, and Thursday the 9th was important because that was the first time it came into effect. Um, Angola had previously um, legislated an instrument in 2015 um, that kind of protected the rights of LGBTI people from work, right at work, uh, because of a lot of discrimination that happened to LGBTI people's employment spaces. Um, and, 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 and really, I think, kind of this instrument in itself, which is like the entire changing of the penal code, reverses colonial legacies. Because we do understand that, of course, Angola was um, a colony of the Portuguese empire. um, And subsequently, um, you know, most of the laws during um, that colonial era kind of didn't change. And because Angola is also deeply tribalist um, and a religious, um, you know, country, you know, kind of this new penal code is really, I think, you know, a great um, step ahead. What does it mean for Africa? Yes. Um, I think uh, for Africa, it means that, you know, with each and every country that decriminalizes homosexuality, I think it's a step forward uh, yes. because, I mean, we are still very much deeply um, homophobic continent. Um, you know, and this homophobia is because of, you know, various things, right? For a very long time, we've kind of battled, um, you know, the notion on whether, oh, you know, the public discourse around uh, whether homosexuality was um, African. I think, you know, the more we see um, countries legalize, um, you know, same-sex marriages, um, you know, it's, it's really a positive step um, forward. You know, with the African Commission, for example, very recently, um, you know, Resolution 275 um, was passed, and this is um, one of the few resolutions, um, you know, um, really within the continent that kind of starts speaking back um, to LGBTI discrimination. Um, and, you know, and, 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 you know, I think the, the installation of that resolution already at the African Commission was such an important. And I hope really the story of Angola really inspires um, all of the other 22 plus um, also African countries that continue um, to de- to criminalize um, homosexuality to to some sort of really see the benefits um, of, 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 of the decree. I fully agree with that. I also want to know then, what is stopping all the other countries from actually implementing such laws? I mean, it's various things, right? I think 
law is one thing, but public opinion is another, right? right. Um, and, you know, so I think um, kind of homophobia is deeply entrenched, um, you know, in culture and subsequently in belief. Um, and, you know, so the, the values or like the opinions people hold about homosexuality or like gender diversity, you know, is, is deeply something that has been culturated over time. Um, and I think, you know, policymakers are people, right? Yes. Um, and policymakers, you know, come into law um, carrying, you know, certain biases. Um, and as a result, um, you know, I think it's just been really, really difficult breaking um, the ceiling in Africa and doing kind of sensitization work um, that normalizes um, homosexual and gender diverse people. Um, but at the same time, that kind of, you know, gives a new um, perspective on, on, on what being homosexual or LGBTI, um, you know, means. Um, and, you know, so the, the hush really, I mean, the hold is from various, um, you know, from various sectors, right? So sometimes, um, you know, people cannot legislate certain laws because business might pull out, and especially if it's quite conservative business, and that's conservative business, mm. maybe, you know, pays a huge lump sum, um, you know, to the government or like maintaining the state. Um, it might be, you know, certain parliamentarians not agreeing um, with, with that particular law, but it might be also communities, right, um, you know, not agreeing. Um, with, with that particular law, and in this instance, um, you know, kind of the understanding um, of, 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 of LGBTI people. Um, but I mean, I think, you know, with what with, with all said, we are really making slow but good progress, right? Um, we're not where we were um, five years ago. Um, we're not where we were um, two years ago, you know? Um, I think slowly, um, the, the, the idea of justice and freedom, um, you know, is starting to be expansive. And, and, and I mean, I'm hoping that, you know, very soon, um, you know, we'll, we'll, this will be history, right? This conversation about, about the cream um, will be, you know, kind of history and that will, will eventually get into a place where most LGBTI people can, can fully access um, their, their rights. Yes, for sure. And just sticking on that, um, Mawiti, you're speaking to Huizi now. What do you think can be done about this? I mean, there are still countries that are still criminalizing this. What do you think can be done about it? If we put pressure, um, you know, advocacy groups, um, civil society groups, um, you know, states. Um, so, I mean, I think the, the various ways of kind of making strategic interventions, right? So, like, let's speak. What the South Africa as a country that has legalized um, homosexuality for a very long time um, do to support other countries that want to go the decree, um, you know, move. I think um, we definitely use our member stateshipness um, in various, um, you know, sectors. So, I mean, in various regions. So, like, we use our AU um, status um, to kind of put pressure on countries that are within the AU um, that still criminalize. Um, you know, homosexuality, we use our UN status um, to put pressures to countries that are member states of the UN, um, you know, to decriminalize. Uh, but I think we also publicly just come out, you know, and as a state um, and speak about um, homosexuality and subsequently speak about what, um, you know, um, criminalizing um, homosexuality means, um, you know, for people within the LGBTI community. Um, I think at community level, yes. um, you know, we, we, we show solidarity, mm. um, you know, uh, with people who are LGBTI and, and in deep and meaningful ways. 
Um, so part of it is, you know, we get into community in order for us to dismantle the stereotypes that we hold about LGBTI people. And subsequently, after getting into community, we then become advocates um, for LGBTI people, meaning that we do the work of dismantling and subsequently, you know, deconstructing some of um, the popular um, views, you know, that we know and are not based on, on truth. Um, I think a civil society, um, you know, at a local level, so civil society in South Africa, um, we continue the work, um, you know, that we've been doing. Um, but we also, I think, then extend um, solidarity to civil society, um, you know, in the particular countries um, where LGBTI people, um, you know, are still criminalized or where LGBTI, um, the LGBTI status um, is still criminalized. And, and I think the advocacy... It looks like different things, right? Yes. Um, I, I think um, we write. Um, I think beyond writing, we, we try and influence policy. I think we lobby, um, you know, and I think just post-lobbying, um, we read statements. Um, but I think we better document uh, because one of the only difficulties really about, I think, um, you know, LGBTI cases mostly has been like kind of this erasure of documentation for the longest of time, right? And as a result, we have not had concrete data um, of kind of how tough the human rights situation really is. So I do think, um, you know, um, documenting data um, is, is also, you know, like a kind of way um, of really putting the pressure and ensuring that um, the decrease uh, moment, you know, becomes more universal. No, definitely, for sure. And I think, um, I mean, as South Africa, we know that as much as homosexuality and gay marriages are legal, do you think that there should be a ban of discriminating someone for their sexual orientation? Should it be something that is considered punishment on people who discriminate against others? I mean, I am hoping that the hate crime, hate speech bill will exactly do that for us, right? Um, so I am hoping that when that essentially becomes... Um, yeah, when that becomes affected, um, that it, it kind of, you know, starts regulating discrimination um, and, 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 and subsequently, you know, uh, puts on, you know, harsh measures uh, for people who are found to discriminate. But I mean, I guess to you both, guys, you know, my, my chat is just like we, we, we could have the law conversation, but, you know, the most important thing I think is about changing behaviors and changing attitudes because it's, it's not policy documents that are homophobic, yes. right? Um, it's not policy documents um, that, 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 you know, are subsequently uh, putting punishment measures um, for, to, you know, towards um, LGBTI people. It's not policy documents that kill lesbian women and trans women, um, you know, each and every day. Um, it's not policy documents that kill gay people, right? It's people. Yes. Um, and for me, like the greater project is, I, I am interested, I think, you know, even outside of my own profession of justice, um, you know, but just as a queer activist and I think as a queer creative, um, in thinking through the ways and like, what should this messaging look like, right, um, in terms of like a communicator strategy? How are we communicating LGBTI information, um, and subsequently, maybe how is that? Um, how are we supposed to change uh, the communication in order to affect, um, you know, most uh, people? Because I mean, the reality is, you know, so some of the homophobic slurs or what people believe um, of gender diverse people um, and LGBTI people. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's stuff that do not hold, you know, and we know that they do not hold because there's no logic. So any logical person, um, you know, would, would kind of know that um, it really does not hold um, to assume 
um, that gayness is something that you manufacture. Um, you know, I, I don't. That, I, sorry to cut you. Just to jump on that. Who do you think then is responsible for teaching people? Who do you think should be held ac- accountable for letting people know how to communicate? Is it the LGBTQI community that is, you know, responsible yo, for that? Or is it us as individuals who are responsible for educating ourselves about it? See, uh, you know, the activist in me, um, the intersexual feminist activist, wants to say we are not responsible for teaching. <laughs> we know um, that, um, yeah, I mean, I want to say that the LGBTI people are not responsible for teaching. And, and I mean, to a great extent, I really do believe that. Um, but I mean, I also do not believe that the benefits that come from us closing ourselves often are not um, defining what everybody has complicated, right? Um, but I mean, I do not think kind of that teaching needs to be aggressive because these are real lives, right? And I mean, it's, it's interesting that um, one has to kind of do an entire module um, on their actual, you know, real life. Um, so, so, so partly, I do think, um, you know, as the LGBTI people, as we think, um, you know, through, as we think through language, Right, and as we think, um, you know, through through our own experiences, um, we could definitely share those, and I hope that um, could be learning. But I definitely do think um, that there's a lot of information out there because LGBTI people have been writing and they've been documenting somehow, um, you know, and, and and I think the owners are really on straight people um, as allies. Um, to kind of access that information and make sense of it um, and, and also then become um, advocates uh, for LGBTI people. Um, you know, yeah. So so, 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 so I think it's, it's, it's a bit of twofold, um, but I mean, largely um, reliant on, I, I believe that people need to teach themselves. You know, I don't think that the LGBTI people, on top of dealing with discrimination yes. um, and microaggressions, um, and and yeah, and all of those vile things, you know, should also be burdened um, by this extra work um, of teaching. But I'm also not saying we should close ourselves off. I'm saying we're only going to be understood once we start speaking. Um, I'm saying once we explain certain things better and we become in community, um, there's ways in which we become accessible. I am saying that in, in having proper friendships with people who are not necessarily from the LGBTI community is always some sort of a bargaining, um, you know, um, tool because what that does is is to allow a humanness um, and a different narrative and hopefully those um, allies then become kind of, you know, the advocates uh, for LGBTI lives uh, later. You couldn't have said it better. And I also think it takes some sort of an interest, really, in wanting to learn, you know, um, from people themselves, you know. So I... I, Yeah. The thing is, it could be anybody, (laughs) you know. Yeah. (laughs) It really could be anybody. And, and, And I mean, I think... For me, this conversation, of course, I do understand my biases uh-huh. um, as someone who identifies as queer, right? But I mean, I think um, for me, the queer conversation is a, is a conversation about self-actualization, right? Exactly. Um, we would like everybody to get to their highest form. I mean, this is the wish for humanity. Um, you know, this is why we fight for human rights, uh, because the basic human rights are not to make people flashy, but to get um, to their highest form of, of actualization, right? Mm-hmm. To just realize who they are as individuals and subsequently as humans. Um, and, and, and I think for me, LGBTI advocacy is, is to just say, just give me an opportunity um, to, to, to leave, right? I do not understand, too, um, sometimes why 
you know, my life has turned out like this. I know that um, heterosexuality has been something that has been preached for a very long time and we have been indoctrinated into heterosexuality. And to be honest, I think most people who are LGBTI actually wouldn't mind being heterosexual because of kind of the safety and, 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 and you know, the safety that just that brings it. It really uncomplicates life because everything affirms, you know, heterosexuality. Um, and, and subsequently, I think um, just saying, um, you know, so part of our advocacy is to say like, um, you know, we're really sorry that you do not understand this. Um, we are trying in various ways to make you understand this. Just don't kill us in the meantime uh, because yeah. you do not understand this. You know, just do not, and you know, do, do, do not make us more poor, you know, because you do not understand us. Do not discriminate us. Yeah, you know, do not true. call us names, you know, because you do not understand us. Um, you know, yeah, to just... At, at most, you know, if, if you do not understand it, just, just, just keep quiet. Yeah. You know, just do, do, do not exert your hate um, as physical pressure because I think for me that that has been really um, the, the, the greater challenge, the idea that um, it, it's not just about me being queer, but it's it's knowing that my queerness troubles the world and the world sometimes feel like they should enact uh, their rage on me, whether, you know, um, I'm consenting or not. Yeah. Oh, unfortunately, we've run out of time. I really wish you could continue this conversation all the way until nine because the knowledge that you are dropping, <laughs> sir. Absolutely amazing. So I guess this is more reason to call me back. You know yes, what I mean? Definitely. Mawetungo, Kosana, thank you so much for having for joining us this morning. I appreciate speaking to both of you. It's quiet in the morning, but I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. And that's how we wrap up the conversation this morning with Mawe Tungosana, who is a human rights activist, research and communications officer for Human Rights Institute of South Africa. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1 or streams by www.vafm.co.za.